Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship in giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart. That we will grow thereby and that you will be glorified in it. We thank you and honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are into a brand new series because this is a, actually a brand new season. The season that we are in is the season which is traditionally called Lent. And so during that time, there is uh, some things that happen which we'll talk about today. So our sermon series for this season is called Broken, Preparing for Easter. Broken. Preparing for Easter. Our opening thought today is that Jesus called his disciples to accept that his death was necessary and its purpose was to redeem all humanity. I'll say it one more time. Jesus called his disciples to accept that his death was necessary and his purpose was to redeem all humanity. With that being the start off for this series, our first episode, subtitle is Sacrifice, is Redemption's Price. Sacrifice, Redemption's Price. Our definitions are a few this time. The first one is Lent. Lent is a fast of 40 days observed by the Christian church before Easter. The festival of our Savior's resurrection, it begins at Ash Wednesday and continues until Easter. Our next word is broken. Broken is parted by violence or rent asunder, infirm or made bankrupt. Preparing. Preparing is fitting, adapting, making ready or providing. Easter is a festival of the Christian church observed in commemoration of our Savior's resurrection. It answers to the Passover of the Hebrews. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is to destroy, surrender, or suffer to be lost for the sake of obtaining something. Redemption is deliverance from bondage, distress, or from liability to any evil or fortitude, either by money, labor, or other means. <laughs> Our, we have two sets of scriptures that we're going to be jumping in today. The first one is Matthew, the 20th chapter, starting at verse number 22. Matthew 20, starting at verse 22. Before 18 and 19, a mother of two of the disciples walked up on Jesus and said, Can my son sit at your left and right hand? Jesus answered in verse number 22. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. 
And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever shall be great among you must be your servant. And whoever must be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's jump over to Mark, the eighth chapter, starting at verse number 31. Mark 8 and 31. And it says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and may and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever shall save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that it fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as we look at these two sets of scriptures, the thing that we can note about this is the fact that Jesus is telling it like it is. He's laying it out. He's not holding anything back. He's just, as it said in, this, uh, in, the, in um, the one set of scriptures, that he just said it plainly. He didn't make up a parable. He didn't create anything. He just said, this is the way that things are going to happen. Yes. Now, Jesus used a very simple term to refer to himself. And if you're not watching, you, you'll miss what he's saying. And that term that he said, says of himself is the son of man. Jesus uses it all throughout the, the gospel. He keeps saying this, this simple phrase, son of man. But what we, if we're not careful, we'll miss the fact that this is also a Old Testament uh, phraseology that is used to indicate this relationship with humanity. And so as we, we look at this, we see that Jesus is saying, I am... The, uh, uh, the vine as well as I am human and I consider myself to be a product of humanity. And so when we look at how Jesus feels about himself, wouldn't you be, if you were a friend with someone, you would want to inform them of what is going on, especially if you know about it. I don't know how many of us have had friends that um, uh, the expression that we use can't hold water. You have some friends that if you tell them something that is between you and that person, 
it will be between you, that person, and everyone else around you because they can't hold water. They will tell everybody everything and just tell it all. So you are careful around these friends, but Jesus was the kind of friend that he wanted you to know everything and he wanted you to tell others because it was getting ready to come to the end of his earthly journey. And so in Mark, we see that Jesus is, is, is there. He, he wants the uh, disciples to comprehend his intention in coming. He wants them to understand that he has come in order to redeem mankind back to the Father. Because they didn't really understand why he came. They just knew he was a great teacher. And, but, but his coming death was always on Jesus' mind. He knew that he had this doorstep to walk through or this uh, point in his life that he had to walk through. It was, so it was always on his mind. But could you think about the disciples losing their beloved teacher, They're the one that they have gone through these different times with, and to hear him tell them that I am about to be killed probably was not a pill that any of them wanted to swallow. In fact, we can see that Peter didn't want him to swallow that pill or didn't want to swallow that pill because he took Jesus aside and said, Jesus, what you talking about? You ain't dying. And this reveals the humanity of Jesus because I think for a moment it ran through Jesus' mind, no, I really don't want to die. And he had to realize that he was thinking of the flesh and not of the spirit. That's why he had to rebuke Peter because of he was looking more at the flesh than he was in the spirit. And the funny thing was, just a couple of scriptures earlier, Peter got the accolade of only knowing this by the revelation of God, but this time he messed it up. It's sometimes when folks get, have a word and they, and they do something, they think they now have everything that they need to do in order to be all that in a bag of chips, but that ain't happened with Peter. So we look at this and we see that the disciples could not comprehend. They could not get into their mind the death of Jesus. They could not see that Jesus was going to die. This, he's just done too many miracles. He's done so many things. He's done all these things. What? Is, no, Jesus, you can't be dying. This just, just, this just can't happen. And sometimes we run into, into situations where there comes the time to an end of a loved one's uh, journey on this side of life, and we do not want to accept it, which is the first stage of grief. First stage of grief is denial. No, that can't be happening. No, that couldn't have happened. And we, we try to get ourselves into a place whereby we try to reflect back on life so that we do not have to encounter the present condition. But Jesus is plainly trying to set them up for success. But the ability to comprehend the success that Jesus is setting them up for is not there. Because it does not make sense. He even said, but I'm going to rise three days again. But they were still stuck on the death part. Yes, right. 
And they were wrapped around that axle of the death part. And they just couldn't get their mind off the death part. And so sometimes we miss the fact that Jesus' whole purpose here was to be with us, to, to lead us, to show us, to reveal to us the will of the Father. But there had to be a cost that needed to be paid. There was a ransom that, if you will allow me to run back to the beginning of the Bible in uh, Genesis, where God had given man dominion over the earth. And because he had given man dominion over the earth, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, came in and pulled the authority that man had out of his hands and took that authority because he caused man to fall. Now God wanted things to get back right back together, but some other things needed to be positioned in order for it to happen. And so we go all throughout the history of the Old Testament, and they were always looking for this redemption, this, this change for the Messiah to come to redeem us from sin. But he didn't come when they wanted to. But he came at the appointed time that God had for him. And when he came and he told the people, I am the Messiah and I am going to redeem you by dying, they, were, they it, it couldn't compute. Because they were looking for someone to come and take over authority and take over, uh, give us victory over the Romans and to be all established and to make us a great nation like King David. Because you are of the heritage of King David, so we should be back in that political military strength again. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to die. But three days I'm going to rise again. So... Jesus is up here just plainly talking about the, 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 the suffering, the, the, the demise of the Son of Man and of this Messiah, and, and it just was not computing. Peter even ran up to him and said, you lying. And he had to rebuke him, as I said before. A suffering Messiah? No. That cannot happen. That cannot be. And the way that Peter said it, the, the, the word that he used in order to tell, to rebuke Jesus, is the same word that Jesus had used when he was silenced the demons. When, demon, when demons were speaking, Jesus said, I rebuke you. That's the same word that Peter used on Jesus. Implying that this was a demonic force telling that Jesus was operating in in order to tell them what he was telling them. What everyone was missing was that Jesus was following after the will of the Father. He was not this was not a, a, a situation of negligence, nor was it a, a misguided understanding. Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. I'm going to have to say that again. Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. And that's why we as believers 
We must understand that Jesus' death was the only way we could experience the freedom that we are so desperately seeking. <laughs> Key to this is recognizing that Jesus chose to die. This was something Jesus chose. He became the sacrifice in order to pay redemption's price. Yes. To redeem us back to the Father required the blood of a person. Because life is in the blood and because blood was the life-giving force, it had to be shed in order for the redemption price to be paid. So he was in the middle of being divine and human simultaneously in that he exercised both his divine and human free will to go to the cross. If you recall, we'll talk about it soon enough that Jesus said, not my will, but thine will be done. Jesus was doing this wrestling match with his humanity and knowing that the joy that was set before him was to return back to the right hand of the Father. He was going through this to pay the price to redeem us back to himself. So we see that the Son of Man must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed. And he will rise again. He has to suffer to set up to show us that he is going past just a payment, but there is some pain that comes with payment. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to, to pay off a, a vehicle or a house or something that has been a, a, of a high price. Uh, getting to that point, you realize that there were some things that you wanted but you couldn't get because you still had to pay the price for that item. But when you get to the final payment, I know some churches when they finally uh, pay off their mortgage for their churches, what they do is they have a big old ceremony and call it a mortgage burning ceremony. Why? Because it's a celebration of a transition from being under the bondage of the bank to now having the freedom to do what you want to do with that building. And as we see Jesus going through this, setting it up and saying we're going to be going through this transition, I'm telling you that this is going to happen. I'm going to suffer. This is going to happen. I'm going to be rejected. This is going to happen. I'm going to be killed. But three days later, I'm going to rise again. And it just could not compute to the disciples to the point that they just couldn't see how this was going to happen. Jesus had to suffer. Why? Because his understanding of the will of God ran counter to what most of the religious folks believe. 
They just thought that the Messiah was coming and everything was going to be hunky-dory. Everything was going to be good. But there was a, a price that had to be paid. And God, being the justice, the person of justice that he is, says, yes, there is sin that needs to be paid for. And this is how it has to be paid. <clears throat> so now we have Jesus is on a collision course with the humans that God had appointed to run the earth. God is saying there must be a sacrifice. The humans are saying, no, that don't need to happen, Jesus. Figure out another way. Peter is the perfect example of this, who has heard the divine revelation of God that you are the Christ, and then at this point when it starts pushing against his humanity, he says, I rebuke you. And then he gets counter-rebuked. I ain't never heard of a counter-rebuke to that. Just now it came in my mind. He says, I rebuke you. Uh, let's, let's, let's use our favorite family game, Uno. So he throws out a draw four. And then Jesus draws out a draw 400 and says, no, you're going to draw. All right. And so as we look at this, we can see how... We want things to go a certain way. We want things to be in line with how we think. And, but God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And so as we are now in this season called Lent, it is a time that we should be seeking to give something up. Like... We should be looking at Lent as a season of taking on something. Maybe it's living out the life that Jesus lived so that others can see what Jesus is doing in our lifetime. One of the commentators said, let us say then that Lent is a double journey, a journey together and alone toward the mystery of God's redemptive embrace in the death and resurrection in Christ. At the same time as a journey into the depths of our humanity, without a shared living memory of who Jesus Christ was, there will be no faith community with a distinctive Christian identity. Without a living encounter over time with who Christ is in our midst, there will be no unfolding of Christian life and ministry. The double journey of Lent, then, is a baptismal journey. This is Robert Weber who said this. He's saying that as we are living our lives, we also have to, if we're, we're giving up these things during this Lent season, we also have to understand that there's also this time that we are learning more of who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And so as we are walking down this series talking about broken, preparing for Easter, the point that we want to talk about, the point that we were bringing out, the, the message that Jesus is giving us is this, that he had to die in order to redeem us back to 
the Father. We don't like to hear that, but that is what it is. We have to find ourselves in that mindset that Jesus called his disciples. This is the opening thought. Jesus called his disciples to accept that his death was necessary and his purpose was to redeem all humanity. And so our final thought for today is that we should walk in the we should, uh, we cannot consider the, the death of Jesus without accepting that our need was the reason for it. We needed Jesus to die for us because we did not have the ability to pay the cost for our redemption. We needed him to come in and to pay our cost. It's just like when people are in the grocery line and, and they say that and they don't have enough money and somebody comes in and takes care of the deficiency for you, you are grateful to that person for take, helping you out at that moment of need. Our eternal moment of need, we did not have enough to pay for. And Jesus came in with his... Uh, American Express card, his, his divine American Express card, and took all, paid for all the groceries that needed to be paid for so that we could have what we needed in order to go into the eternal kingdom. And we have become kingdom citizens because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, the key to this is understanding that Jesus has died for you. To redeem you back to the Father. To redeem you back into the kingdom of heaven. To place you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And you should have a need, a desire to accept what Jesus has done for you. Now, in order for you to accept that... There are some processes that you have to go through. It's not a difficult process, but it's a process nonetheless. The first thing that you need to do is accept what Jesus has done for you. It is easy to do. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The Bible also says for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is an individual thing that you do, but it brings you into a family. And so we say it this way. This is not an individual event, but a team sport. And you making that decision to accept Christ in your life places you in an environment where people will come alongside you, assist you along this journey. We want to be those people that assist you and cause you to walk in the newness of life that is in Christ Jesus. 
You can contact us at info at godshousecc.com or text us at 864-920-0100. We will come alongside you no, long, no matter where you are in that world and assist you along this, this journey. Well, friends and family, that is episode number one of our series, Broken, Preparing for Easter. Our subtitle today was Sacrifice is Redemption's Price. Next week, we'll be going into episode number two, and then three, then four, and then it will be Easter. We hope that you will take opportunity to join us next week where we will talk about episode number two and I'll give you that subtitle at that time. All right? So until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.